Oh, my God. 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday. Erev Shabbos Chanukah. Chanukah Sameach. Happy Chanukah. Afreilach in Chanukah. Chag Urim Sameach. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Eight days of Hanukkah, we celebrate the festival of light. So let's keep the flame forever shining bright. Once there was a time we had a temple Where every Jew would go three times a year there we worship God in our tradition Till suddenly a tyrant did appear Then at Modin Mattathias told us Whoever is for God come join our band Led by Judah and his faithful brothers We drove the tyrant from our holy in history still live for you and me let's keep the flame forever shining bright eight days of hanukkah eight days of hanukkah we celebrate the festival of light those days in history still live for you and me let's keep the flame forever shining bright when they came to dedicate the temple how their hearts were heavy with despair Impurities and idols all around them And just one jar of pure oil was there But with faith in God they cleansed the temple Kindled that small lamp with hope and love Then the story had a happy ending Eight days of blessed light came from above. Eight days of Hanukkah, eight days of Hanukkah, we celebrate the festival of light. Those days in history still live for you and me. Let's keep the flame forever shining bright. Eight days of Hanukkah, eight days of Hanukkah, we celebrate the festival of light. Sleep, sit, oh, yeah, cool. 
candle for the Maccabee children with things that their life didn't die light one candle for the pain they endured when the right to exist was denied light one candle for the terrible sacrifice justice and freedom demand but light one candle for the wisdom to know that When the peacemaker's time is at hand Don't let the light go out It's lasted for so many years Don't let the light go out Let it shine through our love and our tears Light one candle for strength that we need to never become our own foe light one candle for those who are suffering pain we learned so long ago light one candle for all we believe in that anger not tear us apart and light one candle to find us together with peace as a song in our hearts that's valued so highly that we keep it alive in that flame what's the commitment to those who have died that we cry out they've not died in vain we have come this far always believing that goodness would somehow prevail this is the burden
JM in the AM. Don't let the light go out. Benny Freeman with Light One Candle here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, Benny with Yitzi Spinner and Yisrael Werdiger with uh, Chasof, words from the Moz Tzur. Uh, Cindy Paley with Eight Days of Hanukkah. Uh, Deanna Bogart with the uh, Dreidel selection on piano. Alhanisim done by Miami. Alhanisim from the Amudi Sheish Boys Choir. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. And Chag Urim Sameach. And happy Hanukkah. And Afrelech and Hanukkah. Hanukkah Sameach on this Friday, December the 11th, day one of Hanukkah, day 25 in the month of Kislev, the year 5781, Tavshin Pei Aleph. It is Hanukkah, and it's Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev. This rarity, I believe the first time in 20 years, I think the last time this happened, we were actually at the Homoak for uh, Shabbos Hanukkah, I think. I'm not mis- I know there was some association, or we discussed it at the Homoak about Shabbos Hanukkah being Vayeshev. Uh, the rarity of Parsha's Vayeshev being Shabbos Hanukkah and Parsha's Miketz not being Shabbos Hanukkah. Usually, when Vayeshev is Shabbos Hanukkah, the other Shabbos Hanukkah is Miketz, but Hanukkah ends Friday. So, for the uh, first time in a long time, you'll be hearing next week the Haftorah, the actual Haftorah for Parsha's Miketz again. A rarity. Today, don't forget to say Alhanisim. Don't forget to say Hallel. Don't forget the special Torah reading for Hanukkah. Candle lighting on this era of Shabbos Hanukkah is 4.08 in the New York, New Jersey area. We light Hanukkah candles before Shabbos candles. And the month of Teves begins Wednesday. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow again. Teves, the month of Teves is Wednesday. Keep that in mind, especially those who are still davening at home. Remember, uh, when you uh, bench Rosh Chodesh, you want to include Rosh Chodesh Teves being on Wednesday. 40 degrees, 72% humidity, winds are west at 3 miles per hour. A mix of sun and clouds and a high temperature of 57. Then tonight, cloudy and a low of 44. Showers for Shabbos with a high of 56 degrees. Yushalayim is at 64. We're at 40. Here in New York City, as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, what can I say? It is uh, unbelievable that we're already back, already back here in studio on day one of Hanukkah in New York City. It is pretty amazing, frankly. Um, the journey was remarkable. It was a um, an incredible visit for a short period of time to a, a part of the world that's going to become more and more familiar to people in our community, frankly. Um. Dubai is a fascinating place with some fascinating and incredible people and the potential for growth for the Jewish community, uh, both in terms of permanent residence and in terms of uh, being a tourist attraction for Jews and Israelis, uh, is unbelievable. And uh, it's hard not to get that feeling while you're there. It's hard not to get that feeling as you're being welcomed with open arms and with great enthusiasm. And as you walk the streets of this Arab country with your kippah and people are gravitating toward you in, in a positive way, it's just, it's really unbelievable. Hard to believe, but it's also a hard to avoid. It, it, you see the enthusiasm that people have for Israel, for Israelis, for people wearing kippot. And we got to meet, and those of you who followed us closely over the last three days, you saw it, we got to meet not only members of the Jewish community, but members of the Arab community who are uh, business people and want to see continued growth of an amazing city. The place is remarkable. 
the skyline, the buildings, uh, the spacious atmosphere, and no matter what indoor facility you're in, which is something that I enjoy tremendously, uh, someone my size always appreciates a great amount of space. And, you know, when you see the 12-lane highways and the the way that the uh, lobbies and the floors of these buildings are being built, it's just, uh, just unbelievable. And, um, and we got to meet some really interesting people. And we got to put some myths that have been dominating my thoughts for decades. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know if, if put them to rest would be the right way of putting it, but certainly uh, getting a different perspective on them. Um, I grew up as so many of us did, thinking that the majority of uh, Arab countries and the majority of its citizens want to do away with Israel and only have a hatred toward Jews. Uh, but here we saw a country that is um, so welcoming of others, including Jews, and has this um, reverence for other religions and tolerance for other religions, maybe tolerance before reverence. And uh, when you're in the Chabad Center there and you see the photos of the royal family hanging as you walk in and you see the UAE flags flying in so many places and you hear the appreciation that the leaders of the Jewish community have toward the government, it is astounding. I mean, it is rare that you hear people speak that way about their host country, especially in this era. I know there have been eras in the past where there's been this type of uh, appreciation between the Jewish community and the leadership of foreign countries, especially in that part of the world, Persian Gulf, Africa, etc. But um, really remarkable. And, and frankly, it was... Um, it was nice to finally feel that there was an enthusiasm for what President Trump did. Again, this is not a forum now that I'm going to discuss whether he should be our next president or not and whether it was a good idea to vote for him, not vote for him, etc. It's irrelevant at this point. We know that on January 20th is a new president, so it's irrelevant. But the relevant part is that that people from across the board um, we're coming on the air and saying without him, this never would have happened. It never, there never could have been a combination of, um, UAE, Israel and, uh, Israel Bahrain, uh, agreements without president Trump <clears throat> and how this is not recognized more so by the media in this country and around the world. I'll, I'll never figure out. It's really amazing. When you see it up close and personal and hear these people who are living there all this time and have been following the political situation and are intertwined with other communities that are also experiencing a unique life in, in uh, Dubai. And you hear the way they speak about um, the, the dream of an Israel-Dubai relationship. Israel-UAE relationship. And sure enough, it, it happens, and they are basically um, resigned to the fact that without President Trump, it never would have been. And now the <laughs> what was so fascinating, I mean, there's so many fascinating things, and I know that those of you who heard the broadcasts are, are now privy to a lot of the fascinating things that we got to experience and that we were able to bring and transmit to this audience. But what got me was the number of Israelis and Jews from around the world who came in for these business conferences, for these expos, uh, so much discussion and negotiating and um, and dealing 
uh, in the area of high tech uh, and in so many other diverse areas of the business world. Uh, the tech industry, obviously, very big in Israel. And it just it was just fascinating to to experience all this, to hear all the Hebrew in the lobby of the hotel, to speak to business people in Dubai who were meeting with um, the people who had come in from Israel, to see somebody in Dubai who had come in for one day for a series of meetings and then left because they understood the importance of the face-to-face, face-to-face encounter. And um, just remarkable. I don't know if you heard the young man from Gibraltar who's, uh, who's opening up food establishments and, um, and looking for distribution avenues in the UAE. He was on the show on Wednesday. Um, just the, the, the volume, the, the bulk and the volume of, um, of uh, different uh, deals and arrangements that are being made and are being considered and are being spoken about at the moment is simply remarkable. Uh, and then the tolerance for religious life. I mean, uh, you know, we talk about different parts of the world. Would, would, you know, can Jews feel comfortable in an Arab country and worship the way they wish? And the answer is yes. And obviously, uh, on this program, for three and a half decades, all I've ever done is talked about how the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel. And believe you me, that is still my mantra. But in this case, it was interesting to see uh, the potential for people who live in Israel doing business in the UAE and frankly, for those who are not ready yet to go to Israel or don't feel they have the economic opportunity there, this country, the UAE, has such an opportunity, has such an ability to be a country of opportunity, a land of opportunity for so many. Many uh, Jake Novak last night put it to me on the phone, uh, comparing it to the old Hong Kong, what Hong Kong was. And we know a lot of people in our community and many other, and from many other backgrounds, uh, you know, utilized Hong Kong to their advantage to really build their business. And now he thinks that's the same thing that's going to be happening in the UAE. And um, compare all of this to the to the countries around the world and some of the states in our union here in the USA that don't get it, that don't get that it's a good idea not to have income taxes, that don't get that they need to give incentives for businesses to flourish and for the community uh, to grow. They don't. They don't get it. Um, and um, I think they said, what did they say to me? Someone said to me there that there's one tax, it's a VAT, they have a sales tax, and it's 5%. That's it. That is the only tax in the UAE, <laughs> which is unbelievable. And you see the way the people live. I mean, it seems like everybody's on a good salary with a lot of government money backing up uh, their efforts in terms of buying homes and cars, etc. The whole thing was a remarkable experience, and there's a lot to talk about, plenty more, but just uh, the whole thing was just unbelievable uh, in terms of um, uh, what the country looks like, what it has to offer, and where it's going. And the tourist spots that we got a chance to see were really fun and nice, and I'm sure will attract a lot of people. It's a very futuristic-looking city, and that's all they talk about is what the future brings and what it's going to be like 50 years from now. Really remarkable. A lot of people to thank. Uh, we've been thanking them all week, and I know that um, you've been hearing the thank yous. Uh, my immediate staff that was there, uh, Miriam L. Wallach and Yoni Pollock, brilliant job of Rami Finkelstein behind the scenes doing everything um, from Israel while we were there in Dubai. Um, I want to thank our chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, and all of the great sponsors. And we'll go through the list later on. A lot of amazing sponsors that made this opportunity possible. Without them, this would not have been a doable trip. Impossible. But they got the importance of bringing this story to our listeners 
and really connecting with one of the most important stories of modern Jewish history, the Abraham Accords. And I thank them. I thank all of our sponsors who really, really understood the message and understood the uh, the mission that we were on over these couple of days. And um, it was just uh, just a wonderful, a wonderful experience and something I will not quickly forget. Met some people that um, never thought in a million years I would be sitting and speaking to on JM in the AM. Never in a million. And if you saw some of the pictures, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Special thank you to Mayor Cruder. Cruder.com. He is he's a brilliant photographer, and uh, uh, he's probably shocked that I'm saying that publicly because we have a uh, <laughs> we sometimes have fun with that um, because sometimes photographers, you know, when when you're the subject of the majority of what they're doing, sometimes you know there's a little bit of tension and friction, so we make fun of that. But uh, the reality is that he's been with us now for five of these travel adventures, and his material is simply remarkable. So a big thank you to Mayor Cruder, Cruder.com, K-R-U-T-E-R. Um, this, you know, he does a lot of things. A brilliant artist. He's a, um, a great event photographer, weddings, bar mitzvahs, et cetera. Uh, but this, in my opinion, this is his specialty. You, you plan something. You plan a journey somewhere, and you want someone along to just document it and do an amazing job with a keen eye for photography. Uh, that's who you want. You want Mayor Cruder. So I thank him very, very much. And uh, he did get a lot of uh, great shots of a lot of great programs that we did over in Dubai. Plenty happening on a Friday era of Shabbos Hanukkah. Malcolm Holmline, an hour from now, executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Harry Rothenberg, 20 minutes from now on uh, Parshas uh, Vayeshev, or the holiday of Hanukkah, whatever Harry wants to speak about. Rabbi Yudin at 815 on the holiday of Hanukkah as well in Parshas Vayeshev. We'll check in with Rabbi David Pardo at the OU. Uh, later in the show in the 8 o'clock hour, they have a lot going on uh, for Hanukkah, etc., etc., etc. Lots happening on a Friday era of Shabbos. Happy Hanukkah. It's JM in the AM. Yeah. 
JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Back in New York City on this Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Chanukah. Still of the Zemmer Boys Choir with Yevonim, Maos Tzor, and Maccabi. You heard Ethan Leifer's Al Anisim. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves is Wednesday. Wednesday's Rosh Chodesh. Candle lighting today at 4.08 in New York. 4.08 candle lighting time. Don't forget Alanisim. Don't forget full Hallel. Don't forget special Torah reading for Chanukah. It's all part of what's happening all through the Chanukah week. Keep it all in mind on this very first day of Chanukah 5781. We're back from our journey to Dubai. Thank you to everybody for the amazing compliments and the incredible feedback that we've gotten. It is much appreciated. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMDM. גלי צהל השעה שתיים, שלום רב וחנוכה שמח, כאן עמלי חביב פרגון עם מה שקורה עכשיו. תאונת דרכים קשה בכביש אחת, שני ילדים במצב אנוש ושניים נוספים נפצעו קשה בהתנגשות כלי רכב פרטי במסעית סמוך לשער הגיא. צוותי הצלה שהוזנקו למקום מבצעים כעת פעולות החייאה בילדים. כתבנו יובל שגב מוסר כי נסיבות התאונה נחקרות עתה. כתבתנו יעל חיימסון מוסרת כי בעקבות התאונה אזור מחלף שער הגיא בכביש אחת לכיוון מערב נחסם לתנועה. תגובות בעולם הערבי לחידוש היחסים בין ישראל למרוקו. סולטן אומן הייתם בן טארק אל סעיד ברח על ההסכם ואמר כי ארצו מצפה שהמהלך יגביר את מאמצי השלום במזרח התיכון. כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג מדווחת על מגעים מתקדמים לנרמול היחסים עם אומן וזו עשויה להגיע בקרוב להסכם עם ישראל. מנגד, בתגובה ראשונה של גורם איראני רשמי להסכם אמר חוסיין אמיר אבדוליאן, יועץ לדובר הפרלמנט האיראני, כי ההסכם בין ישראל ומרוקו הוא גידה ותקיעת סכין בגב האומה הפלסטינית. מדבריו הביאה כתבתנו ציון סימפסון גרוסמן. משרד הבריאות עדכן הבוקר על 1,865 מאומתים חדשים שאובחנו לנגיף הקורונה ביממה האחרונה. שיעור הבדיקות החיוביות עומד על 2% ו-7 עשיריות האחוז. כתבנו לענייני בריאות יובל שגב מוסיף כי מניין החולים באורח קשה עומד על 320. בתוך כך הלילה המליצה הוועדה המקצועית של מנהל המזון והתרופות האמריקני, ה-FDA, לאשר את החיסון שפיתחה חברת התרופות פייזר, וכבר בימים הקרובים צפוי להתקבל האישור הסופי מהמנהל. התפרצות הקורונה באירופה. ברוסיה נרשם שיא חדש במניין הקורבנות מהקורונה ביממה, 613 בני אדם. סך המתים מפרוץ המגפה בפדרציה עומד על כ-46,000. כתב חדשות החוץ טל שנהב מזכיר כי בתחילת השבוע פתחה רוסיה במבצע חיסונים המוני בחיסון הספוטניק 5. עד כה חוסנו אלפי אנשי רפואה, מורים ועובדים סוציאליים. ובגרמניה, בצל הזינוק בתחלואה ובמניין הקורבנות מהנגיף, הקנצלרית אנגלה מרקל שוקלת להטיל סגר כללי נוסף לפני חג המולד. ביום ראשון תיוועד עם ראשי המחוזות בגרמניה בפגישה שתכריע את עתיד ההגבלות בכל מחוז. התקדמות במגעים לסיום השביתה במכללות הציבוריות שנמשכת זה חודשיים. נציגי המרצים הגיעו לפני זמן קצר להסכמות על נקודות המחלוקת העיקריות עם נציגי משרד האוצר וראשי המכללות. ההסכם יובא במוצאי שבת לאישורם של הממונה על השכר באוצר ולאישורן של אספות העובדים באחת עשרה המכללות השופטות. ידיעה שהעביר כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש. 
חבר השופטים הבינלאומי לחקר רצח רפיק אל-חרירי גזר חמישה עונשי מאסר, מאסר עולם נגד סלים ג'מיל עיאש, חבר בארגון חיזבאללה שהורשע ברצח ראש ממשלת לבנון לשעבר בשנת 2005. בית המשפט של האו"ם הרשיע את עיאש כבר באוגוסט ברצח ובביצוע מעשה טרור, ואילו שלושה פעילים אחרים זוכו בשל חוסר בראיות בתום חקירה בת 11 שנה. כזכור, הפעיל פוצץ את מכונית ראש ממשלת לבנון לשעבר, כשבאירוע נהרגו 21 אנשים נוספים. מזג האוויר בהיר עד מעונן חלקית, מחר תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות וייתכנו גשמים מקומיים. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, חנוכה, פרשת וישב, הפטרת רוני ושמחי, שבת מברכים לחודש טבת. בירושלים בארבע דקות לפני ארבע, בתל אביב תיכנס השבת בארבע ושבע עשרה, בחיפה בארבע וארבע דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע ותשע עשרה. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים בחמש ושש עשרה דקות, בתל אביב בחמש ושבע עשרה, ובאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש ושמונה עשרה דקות. גלי צה"ל מאחלת לכל מאזיניה חג אורים שמח. אלה החדשות שעורך אלעזר בן לולו. It started back with Abraham, got thrown into the kitchen, to tell him Eliakol, through the trickery of Laban, living out of Mitzrayim, two ten and counting, working every day and night, Bechomer Ulbenim. Vayishma Hashem, Nakatam, Vayizkorotam.
Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Hanukkah, Harry Rothenberg has words about the uh, holiday that we're now celebrating, uh, of which we're now celebrating day one. Ooh, nice recovery. Uh, Harry Rothenberg, (laughs) Parshas Vayeshev, Hanukkah 5781 at JM in the AM. When the Torah is read publicly, the person reading it chants it with a very specific melody. One of the sages in the Talmud tells us that God himself taught that melody to Moses to Moshe when he gave Moshe the Torah up on the mountain. That melody was passed down generation to generation until the sages eventually wrote it down, the written versions of the Torah, using a series of cantillation symbols, which we commonly refer to as the trup. Those symbols make it easier to learn and to remember the melody. Perhaps the most famous of those cantillation symbols is the shalshalet. Very rarely appears in the Torah, but there's one of them in this week's Torah portion. It hauntingly shows the hesitation, the the indecision, the difficulty faced by Joseph, Yosef, in rebuffing the daily amorous advances of his master's wife, a very difficult test for him that he ended up passing. But there's a less well-known series of cantillation symbols that's equally interesting in this week's Torah portion. There's a meeting between Yehuda, Judah, and Tamar. And there are three consecutive passages, Bereshus, Genesis 38, 16, 17, and 18. And each one of those passages has a he said and a she said. He says something to her and she says something back. Interestingly, each one of those and he said, Vayomer, has a different cantillation symbol. But equally interesting, each one of the and she said's has a matching symbol. So in the first passage, there's a he said, its own cantillation symbol, but an identical cantillation symbol in the she said. Next passage, a different one for he said, but a matching one for she said. And the third passage again, a third different one for he said, but a matching one for she said. Here, take a look inside. The matching symbols above the two words in the first passage are called a pashta. The matching symbols in the second passage are a zakif gadol. And in the third passage, the matching symbols are a revii. What's the point of these symbols? The different but matching melody for each passage? To teach us that the way you speak to someone else is the way they'll speak to you. The way you treat someone else is the way they'll treat you. We are meant to work on our interpersonal relationships, all the different ones that we have, in order to improve our relationship with God. Because it works the same way with Him. The way we treat Him is the way He'll treat us. The closer we are to Him, the closer He'll be to us. And the more distant from Him, the more distant, unfortunately, he'll be. There's a famous phrase, it takes two to tango, teaching us that if someone starts up with you 
and you look the other way and you don't respond, you can avoid a fight. But someone once taught me an even better phrase. It takes one to tango. If you don't start up in the first place, there won't be a fight, or at least it'll be far less likely. And what a great lesson for Hanukkah. No coincidence that we get this lesson now as we're starting to celebrate the holiday, because now we're going to get together, hopefully, in person, or if not this year, at least on Zoom, with our extended family members. Old frictions or rivalries might bubble up. Someone else might grab that jelly donut upon which you were feasting your eyes, or you might be jealous of someone else's gift. Get over it. Don't start up, and if someone else does, don't respond. And before I finish, I have a very special guest who's been watching me film this video, one of my grandchildren. He's been sitting patiently and quietly, but I promised him that at the end, he could deliver a message to all of you. So here he is. Happy Hanukkah. It's dark outside, but it's light in here. Hanukkah, Hanukkah is here. It's dark outside, but it's light in here. Hanukkah, Hanukkah is here. It's dark outside, but it's light in here.
ועוד יום שישי נושם את האוויר, האור והצל משחקים שוב תופסת. השולחן ערוך, תמונות ילדות על הקיר, שיירות לבנות חוזרות מבית כנסת. והריח הזה ששורט לי את הלב, מתגנב, מתגנב, ופותח דלתות. אל אושר קטן, אל אותו שיר ישן, שעובר אצלנו במשך דורות. מתנות קטנות, מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה, דיבורים של אמונה. מתנות קטנות, מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות, כמו הכוח לקבל את מה שאין, את מה שיש, מה עוד אפשר כבר לבקש. זה עוד יום שישי, מרפסת ועיתון, השמש כמו הדאגות לאט נמחקת. מגינות פשוטות, זו חלות מהחלות, ושום שערה כבר לא תסדיר פה את השקט. מתנות קטנות, מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות, רסיסים של כוונה, ריגולים של אמונה. מתנות קטנות, מישהו שלח לי מתנות קטנות. Thank <laughs> you. J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah here at, here at J.M. in the A.M. Whoa, we'll get to that song in a minute, don't worry. Uh, Matanot Ktanot, bre- Matanot Ktanot, brand new cover done by Jonathan Rimberg and uh, Chaim David Burson. Hanukkah is here, brand new from Zusha. Al Hanisim, brand new from RJ2. 20 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody. Back in our New York City studios after the amazing journey to Dubai. 
Malcolm Holmline coming up. Don't forget to go to partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org. Arrange to become a mentor for someone who wants to learn more about our heritage. It is easier than you think. One can study Torah one-on-one with a mentor or partner chosen specifically for you. Call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and the number two, or log on to partnersintorah.org. Again, that's partnersintorah.org for information. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no-nitrate-added, reduced-fat, and reduced-sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net, and try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. want to thank everybody who had a role in our amazing journey. A lot of amazing sponsors, including our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. Check out their amazing specials. And I can guarantee you a pleasant shopping experience. Aaron's Casino Farms, casinofarms.com. They're in Queens, New York. Aaron's West Orange, aaronswestorange.com. They are in New Jersey. And also, again, great shopping experience, wonderful specials, and so many items that will enhance your Hanukkah celebration, from food to decorations to table items, etc. All you got to do is walk in and check it out. So go to Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens. Go to Aaron's West Orange in West Orange, New Jersey. Take advantage and uh, enhance your Hanukkah celebration. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me. You'll be glad you did. A big thank you to uh, Dr. Joe Rosazada and Simon Jacob, the Jewish Unity Initiative. Thanks to our uh, chairman, Ralph Rosenbaum, and to Morty Getz and everyone at ShopEichlers.com, to Mayor Kruder, who I mentioned earlier, koshertravelers.com with David Wallace and company, Steinreich Communications, Ariella Steinreich, uh, the UAE Israel Business Council, Cross River Bank, Jill's Gade, Phil Goldfeder. A big, big thank you to everybody from all of us here at JM in the AM. More coming up, including our weekly update. Keep it right here. This is brand new from the New York Boys Choir.
Well, many of you at this point, <clears throat> wow, hoping to leave most of my voice in Dubai. Uh, many of you at this point are familiar with that theme song, Salam, great cover done by Arye Kunstler in commemoration of our trip. And we had an opportunity to let that song dominate the music uh, that we played from Dubai. Pretty amazing. Thank you, Arye Kunstler. Thank you very much, in fact. Thank you very, very much. Uh, New York Boys Choir before that with a brand new one entitled Spin that dreidel. Well, the largest Judaica store online um, gives you an opportunity to take advantage of one of the best, one of the best services one could want on Hanukkah, and that is same day <laughs> delivery. Could you imagine? You wake up in the morning in the total panic. You don't have gifts to the people that you uh, that you love and that you work with. Uh, you don't have gifts for them, and uh, you know. You know that candle lighting is sometime around, I don't know, 5, 5.30 later that day. Well, guess what? ShopEichlers.com. Shop, S-H-O-P, ShopEichlers.com. ShopEichlers.com has same-day delivery to places like Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Farakaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Tom's River, Jackson, New Jersey. Can you imagine that? 
Uh, even if it's not same day, and obviously in all those places it is, but if it's not same day somewhere around the country, it gets sent out in priority fashion. You get it ASAP. So if you're doing your Hanukkah shopping and looking for any type of gifts for family, for teachers, for kids, for friends, or gift cards or books or any other category that's covered so well on shopiclers.com, it's right there for you. All you got to do is uh, get online, order it, and you are all set. So go to shopiclers.com, shopiclers.com, and they, of course, along with Morty Getz and their whole company, who were so instrumental in sponsoring our journey to Dubai. They wish everybody a Chag Urim Sameach, a Freilich and Hanukkah, a happy Hanukkah. And again, go to shopiclers.com throughout the week of Hanukkah and all year round. Simple as that. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vayeshev here at uh, JM in the AM. And uh, there was one uh, one other group of people I wanted to make sure to uh, thank and um, to say that their role in what we just did over the last few days was uh, significant is an understatement. That's koshertravelers.com, koshertravelers.com. David Wallace, he really, I mean, look, we we had things we wanted to do in Dubai. He made sure that they happened. Simple as that. And those of you traveling, um, especially now if you put Dubai on your list of places to go to, uh, you're going to need the services of uh, koshertravelers.com, David Wallace and his staff. Uh, just to tell you where to eat, where to daven, how to get around, what to tour, uh, arrange your transfers from the airport, arrange your tour bus. I mean, they'll take care of everything, like they do on all the tours they do in general when they uh, have their Pesach programs in Israel and other parts of the world, when they do their safaris in Africa, when they do their exotic tours and wonderful cruises. They take care of all the details. You have nothing to worry about. To check it out, go online koshertravelers.com, koshertravelers.com. And if you wish, take advantage of their January trip. They're inviting people around the world, whether they're from the U.S. or Israel or anywhere, to come to Dubai and enjoy a whole week in uh, in Dubai, in the UAE, um, with koshertravelers.com, and they'll take care of everything, and you'll enjoy the luxury of Dubai. The place is really amazing, I must say. koshertravelers.com for all the information. Again, koshertravelers.com. Com. Friday morning broadcast, it's JM in the AM as we continue with candlelighting in the New York area at 4.08. It is Shabbos Hanukkah, believe it or not. It is hard to believe. Shabbos Hanukkah. Sholi.
Ich schlag nur, bei Sanse, wir sind im Bund, ich heile, mit sehr viel Schmeier. Ich schlag nur, wir neu machen, 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 wir neu machen
Happy birthday, Latkes, every Hanukkah. Forgot them in the frying pan and cheer. While we were having fun playing dreidel, smoke alarms were wailing everywhere. Firemen were breaking all the windows. Sadie closed his eyes, began to pray. Those Latkes had no luck, our mouth bit down and stuck. But Bobby made us beat them anyway. Malcolm just welcomed me back from vacation. I don't know. If he speaks to my staff, I think they'll vouch for the fact that we did do some work while we were there <laughs> for the two days in Dubai. Friday morning, JM and the Amy Shiva boys with those were the nights. Yidin with the medley. Chasof had the sh- uh, Sholi actually was uh, the singer of Chasof and Aryeh Kunstler with our theme song, Salam. Uh, candle lighting at 408. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayeshev. It's actually Erev Shabbos Hanukkah, one of those rarities where Mikates will not be Shabbos Hanukkah. Only Vayeshev this year, since Hanukkah ends on Friday next week. And um, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves will be on Wednesday, right in the middle of Hanukkah, as it usually is. Uh, Wednesday is um, Rosh Chodesh Teves. Keep that in mind here at the JMA. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldview.com. Check them out. If you go there to that website, you will find thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world that you'll find fascinating uh, that you could print that over Shabbos, print that before Shabbos so that you have them for Shabbos. Uh, check it out. Go to jewishworldreview.com. Again, jewishworldreview.com for all the details. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Good, and thank you, and welcome back to you. Thank you very much. I Good did. to have you back in one piece. I, a rarity. Or two. Or... <laughs> no, it's one, thank God. <laughs> I did check out the aquarium at the Dubai Mall, right up my alley, by the way. It was really beautiful. And, the tree... and it was all that I said it would be. Right? Oh, yes. You said it would be a beautiful city. You said it's a futuristic city. You said the skylines are multiple and beautiful, and all of that is true. I got to... I, I still can't get over it. I cannot get over what it looks like, and I can't get over the fact that I mentioned this a couple of times during the trip, that you know we talk about New York being the center of the world, or the capital of the world that has all these distinctions. Um, I, I don't know what Hong Kong was like, and I'm not sure what you know what other countries in that part of the world uh, had enjoyed over the centuries in terms of their place among the uh, the list of um, you know important places to visit and fascinating places to visit. But this one has the potential, and you might argue it's there already to be such a massive tourist attraction and so attractive to to uh, residents from other countries moving there. 
establishing business interests there. I mean, they seem to have everything going for them over there, frankly. Yeah, the quality of life is good. It's the one country amongst the Arab countries who recently polled where the young people want to stay uh, and not the majority uh, wanting to leave, as was expressed by in all the other countries. Wow. And they are... You know, they're forward-looking. Saudi Arabia's uh, crown prince is also trying to do where they're looking to the day when they w- will not be able to rely on oil income. Uh, you know, their resources are depleting. The the um, move towards alternative uh, fuels will, of course, keep the price of low oil low, and therefore they are looking to diversify and they see Israel as a model for that, that Israel with such limited resources until the recent discoveries, even more limited, you know, in terms of the uh, oil and gas, even more limited. And yet they became energy independent, water independent, things that are vital and critical to build an agricultural expertise that they have. And they see it as very attractive. And they see the, the shift that the one country that they hope they can rely on if god forbid something happens with iran they don't they don't trust the west today they wow. trust uh, that israel has no choice because wow. it's it's permanent what a change what a geopolitical change just unbelievable and um every israeli we spoke with every jew we spoke with and every arab we spoke with they and and some of them i believe i conjecture were Biden supporters. Every one of them gave credit to one man, and that was the President of the United States, Donald Trump. And if you would have seen the reaction and heard the reaction, I don't know how much of the programming you heard, but if you would have heard the, that, 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 that those number of people state how President Trump's responsible for all this, and some of them saying it never would have happened if not for him, meaning that you know, just naturally you'd think eventually Israel and the UAE would be together. They argued no. That it would never happen if you would have heard this. You 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 had you would have to say to yourself that the media in the United States and around the world were so lacking in the enthusiastic response that President Trump should have gotten from them when the deal went down. I think uh, the first of all, you know, I'm in touch with people there, and I've been to all these countries uh, often. And it's absolutely true. You know, they do look to the shift that they felt America was disengaging, and and for them that's disastrous. They also know that the sanctions regime really made a difference and really brought Iran to its knees economically. Even if it didn't stop the nuclear program, we don't know how much more advanced it would have been in military capacities. They are now in need of about $70 billion dollars in terms of debts and, and immediate, uh, I think, $20 billion he owes and, and needs for the Houthis, the um, Hezbollah, for their other terrorist uh, entities and, and uh, clients, as well as for their domestic needs, tens of billions of dollars immediately because the economy is in such ruins. So they, they look at all of this and they say, look, the United States took a stand withdrew from the JCPOA, which people could debate, but you can't debate the impact that the sanctions have had, and hopefully they will not all be removed. We know that, that some will be, and whatever, there, there shouldn't be a rush back. I don't think that the Iranians are going to make it easy for them uh, to reestablish uh, the, the agreement of 2015 because they are demanding compensation, and, and they have their own internal calculus with the election coming up in May, and the um, hardliners pressing the agenda very hard. So they're, you know, they have their own. Yeah. Uh, but now we look at Morocco, yeah. and we see that that 
you know, it's spreading, regardless of, of some of the pressures and things that have been brought to bear. There are other countries that are in discussion. And, it, and Morocco doubles because of, I've talked often about the uh, Mediterranean initiative that we initiated with Greece and Cyprus, Israel, et cetera, and now other countries having joined. Egypt is part of it, and Bulgaria, Romania, Malta, others. Now, with Morocco having crossed the threshold of relations with Israel, could become part. So it would be an anchor in North Africa with Egypt and Israel being the hub, and you have the Gulf and all of the Mediterranean coming together. They could become islands of peace in in the world and against the Islamists and the extremists in the region. Unbelievable. The potential is so great. Unbelievable. And they don't, people shouldn't expect miracles. It means that they still will vote sometimes. They will still say some things. There will be people, individuals who will say things. Yeah, we saw it by the way. We saw saw the UAE's reaction to what happened with the scientists in Iran. I mean, that was, you know, typical. Uh, They they, they demanded restraint for everybody, etc. And they're going to make public statements that either appeal to both or sometimes won't be that friendly to Israel. Morocco's a story of the day. We'll get to it. I want to wrap up the story of yesterday for a minute if I can. And I, I turn to your expertise when it comes to economics and politics on this. First of all, the the income tax in in the in the UAE is zero. I mean, there is no income tax. There's barely a sales tax, frankly. That's what they pay you. <laughs> barely a sales tax. And I say this because, I, look, I know that, you know, when, it's like my late mother used to say, when you have money, it's amazing what you could do. Now, I understand. I understand there's a tremendous amount of money there, and they're making this really um, uh, um, uh, shift of awareness from oil to tourism and other industries and high-tech, obviously, and I get all that, and they're doing it very well. But on the economic side, not that I need you to, you know, to, to, to you know, support Ronald Reagan here and all his theories, but uh, there is something when you have a free market like that and the country encourages you to build business and they tax you so little. They expect you know so little in return. And again, I know it's not realistic in some cases for other countries around the world, including ours, to act that way. But there is something to it economically, and it's such, such an attraction to people around the world to be in that type of economic atmosphere. That's the first thing. The second thing is the politically, and I hope you'll address this. The You, you know what it's like. You know enough about history. When there's a lot of money available, it usually leads to to governments being corrupt, keeping all the money for themselves, and letting people live homeless in the streets. And you know I'm exaggerating, but you get my point. And here they're doing the exact opposite. They're trying their hardest to assist people in buying homes, buying cars, having decent salaries, even people with low-level jobs, keeping everybody employed, keeping the streets clean. It's exactly the opposite attitude of, of, of the way most dictatorial regimes have acted you know, for centuries. And I was wondering if you could comment on that. Well, that's a real agenda. Uh, so first of all, the UAE is a unique circumstance, although you can look at Singapore, you look at some of the successful places where you have um, a more democratic, less democratic, but this approach where business is encouraged, facilitated, you, you cut the red tape, you, you offer them as hubs, what Hong Kong was, other right. places, to, and UAE certainly sees itself in, in that way. I, I, Israel does to a degree, but it, it doesn't implement it, unfortunately, in the same way. Uh, so uh, where bureaucracy and red tape are unfortunately abundant. So first of all, the UAE, only about 10% of the people are Emiratis. 90% are from other countries and workers and stuff. Uh, not everybody votes. Not everybody uh, has a say. They all benefit from the system as it 
as it is structured, but there is still exploitation and that, that is alleged uh, from time to time. But it is truly remarkable, and more and more these people are getting the benefits. They, they uh, live good lives. That's why they come from everywhere to work there, Pakistan, all over the India, other places. Uh, but it creates a, a, a stratified uh, a society, and you have to think that this, there's always the potential that they can turn on, on the government when you're when it's the preponderant part of the population. So the government has to be alert all the time right. to Iranian efforts to undermine them and others to to, to exploit them. Uh, I think that they have an enlightened approach with education, other things. The, the universities there are just remarkable, and I'm sure you saw some of the buildings, some of the amazing oh. facilities and bringing academics and linking up with American universities. Um, so, you know, th- there are different sides to the picture. There are always allegations of corruption whenever you have an absolute society and anybody and and when you have royal families, like extended ones in Saudi Arabia and others, who will then jump to any opportunity to criticize out of jealousy, out of um, other motivations that they have. But, you know, the, these countries are trying to move in the right direction. They're looking to modernize their societies. They institute reforms. But we can't expect them to become America overnight. They're not going to become, you know, awful democracies because the system can't adjust that quickly. So people should be a little patient when it comes to some of these countries. We should press the human rights agenda. We should press freedom and and at the same time help build them up and help them move in that direction. I remember when Sisi, you know, when the United States backed Morsi against, uh, you know, the head of the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Just think of where we would be today had that succeeded. So we should be helping the people move the governments in the right direction, be supportive, have a presence there, a clear presence, and send clear messages to the enemies of the United States and of these countries like Iran and Turkey today. Such an important point. And by the way, I mentioned to you off the air that the the reaction to Jews and Israelis being there was extremely positive. I hope that lasts. I mean, it was extremely positive and people very excited to meet Jews and to meet people from Israel because there were so many there for that conference on high tech, which was dominating the uh, the scene in Dubai. And now we move over to Morocco. Again, same example. I, I have to assume, and you'll tell us, but I have to assume that you know the, the impetus for this deal uh, was fear of Iran and economics. Uh, so many countries in that region of the world, as you know historically, were aided by the Jewish communities in building their economies for centuries. And is it possible that now Morocco, like other uh, uh, countries in Africa and the Persian Gulf, are realizing that if there would be an influx of Jews, in this case Israel, uh, that the economic prospects for the country could only improve? Well, some of them have said those things, but the king, first of all, to his credit, like his father, really has always reached out to the Jewish community there, protected them during World War II, uh, those who were citizens. Then when the Vichy French government and the forces arrived in Morocco, Tunisia, other countries, um, you know, there were concentration camps in North Africa that people don't know about. The um, But the history of, of Moroccan Jewry is um, is a mixed one in, in the sense that they had so many centuries, maybe going back to the, the post-First Temple period, they claim, and many in Morocco look at the Jews as an integral part of the society, that they... Uh, their words, their their concepts have so integrated into life, and especially in the Atlas Mountains and other places, the Berbers claim uh, also being of Jewish descent, 
Uh, so merchants then came to these various places in the Mediterranean, going back to the time of the uh, of the Churim but even in, some say before that. And they, so the, there's a long history, but in Morocco in particular, more than any other country, is it extolled because of His Majesty's work. I mean, he instituted Holocaust education in their curricula. They, they've eliminated anti-Semitism in many of their textbooks. Other countries, UAE, Saudi Arabia, others are doing the same. Egypt, uh, moving that direction as well. And the, um, uh, so the, the stories, you know, the king paid for the restoration of hundreds of Jewish cemeteries if you visit them, it's unbelievable. In the United States, we can't even contemplate it. I went to a cemetery recently, and you saw gravestones over and really in disrepair. There, everyone was whitewashed, painted, fixed, clean. The workers came in and overseen by Serge Verdugo, the president of the community. But it was His Majesty who really organized it. And there are... There are many other uh, elements to seeing this, the unique relationship and the status of Jews in, in Morocco. When, when on Shabbos at night, when I walked from the shul to somebody's home, and it was half an hour walk, and we walked on the streets, uh, people would yell Shabbat Shalom. Now, it's true, we had some security walking with us, but they, they were not visible. So why did they lose so many Jews in the 40s and 50s, simply because Jews wanted to move to Israel? Well, no, but you also have a reality, which is what I was coming to, that in polling and stuff, you still see high anti-Israel numbers, high numbers that was resentment against Jews. The Muslim Brotherhood is very active there. Iran is very active, as you pointed out. But the real issue that, that swung this, I think, was the recognition by the United States of um, uh, of the, uh, Moroccan territorial um, the territorial integrity of Western Sahara as part of Morocco, and Morocco has long sought a referendum there. They want to give them some autonomy, but they believe it's part of um, of Morocco. And when the Spanish pulled out, you know, the, in 1975, the war started there. The Polisario, backed by Algeria and others, have been fighting against um, Moroccan troops, and, and it's a very sensitive issue there. You know, they talk about occupied territory, um, and some said that, you know, Israel and Morocco traded occupied territory recognitions. Uh, but the fact is that this is long overdue. The, this is the, the, the Polisario should not be in the interest, are not in the interest of the West, and certainly want to undermine Morocco, which is an ally and has been steadfast. Look at its geopolitical position on the, in North Africa, but also right in the edge of Europe. Um, it's, th- their role is very important. They've, they have a history since 1777 of being pro-American. They sent an ambassador, and, 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 and interestingly, there were many Jewish ambassadors to, uh, to Morocco and always welcomed and, and treated well. The Jewish community there, 5,000 functions with full uh, rights, full uh, autonomy in the sense of the synagogues there, other community institutions. Uh, and most of you know, I got the highest civilian award that the, that the country gives. The king was presenting at a ceremony, and I found out it's a huge ceremony. So I sent somebody to ask him that, you know, I wear a yarmulke. Does that create a problem, et cetera? And he answered, you do what you do. Hmm. And Muslim Brotherhood was there, and the next day they had, and he, everybody was given the award, and then they called me up. There's 5,000 people there. It's a huge thing. It's, it's shown all over the country. So he wasn't doing this in the corner of a palace. And I was the only one when he walked up. He stuck out his hand to shake my hand. 
in front of the cameras, and there was like this gasp because everybody else kisses his sleeve or his uh, collar, and and he personally put the medals on it. He thanked me for some things we had done, and then gave me some messages, and but stood there talking to me on a nationally televised thing where everybody else got five seconds, you know, and they moved on. And he did it. He does it demonstratively. And the next day, the Muslim Brotherhood put out headlines saying that the king had honored a Zionist murderer, you know, terrorist, meaning me. Yeah, uh, I, and, I get it. <laughs> and he said, look, I know what they're going to do. Believe me, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's good for them. Let them stew in it. And he, he does remarkable things. You know, he, he sent for Friday night. He said, you're my guest for Shabbat. And I said, but I'm going to somebody already. It's arranged. He said, no, you were the guest of the king for Shabbat. And Friday, a truck pulled up to these people's home, and these huge trays of delicacies came out, all with hashgacha, all done specially for it. He, he does amazing things. I'm telling you, people don't know. He's been promoting Holocaust education. He endorsed the Aladdin Project. So it's been incremental. It's a big leap for them. I'm sure there will be still a lot of backlash in all of these countries. The polls still show very strong negative things until now, for the first time, we see more than 40% in Saudi Arabia supporting the initiatives with Israel, still a majority against, but going. it's a triple the number from five months ago or four months ago. UAE, a positive majority, and most of the other countries still a majority negative. But the numbers are shrinking, the negatives and the positives are going up. It will be incremental. So don't look for immediate things. Don't start judging every time somebody says something. You have to look at this in the broader context. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. All right, so we did the politics, we did the history, we did the economics. But bottom line now, bottom line. Would this have happened if not for Morocco's fear of Iran? It's, um, well, that's a factor everywhere, and it, it is real. People don't associate Iran with Morocco, but the fact is that they have tried to undermine the regime, the government. They, you know, they tried to, to um, bring in the extremist ideology there as well as everywhere else. It, it, Morocco has been working to fight them in Africa, in other countries, supporting them economically and in other ways. The king has traveled around Africa frequently uh, for this purpose. Uh, unfortunately, the Europeans and others have sort of abandoned all these responsibilities, even though they, they claim that these are Francophone countries or they have the special uh, relationships there. The um, the Morocco, the Iran factor is very strong, but the Turkish factor has become increasingly strong, and I've talked forever about it on the show, warning for years that this is going to be the case. Now it's the dual threat that they see. Uh, but they're, they're, uh, for them, I think the big prize, like for Sudan to get off the terrorism list and get this aid, for them it is the recognition of Sahara. That's a very big thing for them. Americans don't even know about Sahara. They don't understand the Polisario who are backed by engaged in terrorist attacks, who are backed by Algeria and others. But that's very big for them. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and can there be other neighbors of uh, of Morocco that will join in? I mean, you mentioned there's a possible alliance with Egypt, and uh, Israel will have uh, you know a, a good relations with uh, with that side of the world, so to speak, or that side of Israel. I mean, could there be even others that, that would join in in peace agreements with Israel from that region? I think there are other Muslim countries that uh, will, because if they see the benefit, and that's why we have to make sure that investments and other things that people see in educational exchanges, all sorts of things that 
can open up the countries. Again, it's a gradual process. It's not, you know, flipping a switch and all of a sudden everything right. is going to be light. You know that in Jordan and Egypt still the right. numbers are, it's a cold piece, it's a heavy numbers, but you see breaches there I as mean, well where more and more are speaking out. For, we, we spoke with guests in the UAE who thought Saudi Arabia is within the next six months. Do you think that's that's too crazy a prediction? Well, they have internal considerations. One is that the king is against it, and uh, they want to see progress on the Palestinian front. But I think that the, the crown prince has a vision. Uh, he wants to benefit from Israeli technology. He believes that the two countries have much to offer each other, and certainly on, on the security front. Uh, one of the things is, you know, he's building this huge city from Aqaba in Jordan all, that will go all the way to their other side uh, on the border with Egypt. Now think on the Mediterranean that you could have cruise ships going from Aqaba to Israel to Sharm el-Sheikh to other places to, to Saudi Arabia. You could have direct commerce across there. So Saudi Arabia becomes even closer. You know, now UAE about three hours or so from Israel. And with direct flights to Morocco, what was could have been a 10, 11-hour, 12-hour trip turns into a three, three-and-a-half-hour trip also. And this is revolutionary, and the overflight rights are very important that they can fly over Saudi Arabia, means Israeli airlines, means that they get to the Far East hours faster, which facilitates commerce and trade and, and uh, opens up Israel as another hub for people coming from the Far East going to Europe. As uh, UAE and other places served for hundreds and hundreds of years as the waypoint, including for many Jewish businessmen yep. from Europe going to the Far East. Unbelievable. The whole thing is just unbelievable. Um, let's go to a couple of other uh, a couple of other uh uh, questions about uh, what's happening in this world. Uh, do you think that a President Biden will help accelerate the Saudi Arabian peace, or do you fear that it might slow things up? Well, I think the Saudis and others uh, will wait and see. They, they want to know whether this will be just a reprise of some previous administrations or will they have their own approach, which I think they will. You have people there who, who get it, but they've also said that they're going, the administration, uh, incoming administration uh, um, prospects, that they will focus on more on human rights in Saudi Arabia, Egypt, other countries, which is always of concern, um, although that should be on the agenda and we should be promoting it, but it's questions is how you prioritize it, what kind of overall relationships will there be. You know, this week they, they approved the arms sale by a very close vote, in, um, in two vote differences in the Senate to the arms sales of the F-35s to the UAE. Uh, now, the question is what happens with this massive arm package to, to Saudi Arabia and other um involvements. So number one, they want to see America engaged. They want to know that America is going to be there, America's physical presence, our aircraft carriers, others, and not that we withdraw again from the region. Two, that we have a long-term commitment and help economically, help otherwise and politically to shore them up, and but stand against Iran and Turkey and the aggressiveness and the Islamist um, uh, threats to these regimes. So they're going to look for all of these signs right. to get a sense. I mean, they know Jake Sullivan, they know um, um, Blinken, Tony Blinken, and both of them know the region, know the, these issues extremely well. Uh, so we should give them a chance. We have to see what they're, they're going to do. I do not think they're going to be able to dismantle the whole sanctions regime right away. As some said, you know, they're just going to sign everything off. 
There are hundreds and hundreds of them, and it gives them leverage. They should blame the uh, the Trump administration for, you know, for it, but they should um, uh, take advantage. Take advantage exactly of this leverage, which uh, puts them in a better position. We know that it, the economic pressures work, and it, and with the election coming up in in Iran, they're very anxious to try and turn their economy around before that, because the unemployment the satisfaction. You know, the, the um, ethnic minorities who make up a majority of the country are very unrestful in very bad conditions. Uh, and COVID hit them very hard, hit Iran very hard. So there is a unique opportunity to, to try and exploit it. And, of course, Russia and China will be working with them and to counter any uh, American thing. So they, they want now to be more multilateral, more internationalist in their orientation. We'll see how it plays out. What do we know about incoming Secretary of Defense General Lloyd Austin? So he was the head of CENTCOM, the Central Command. He, Israel was not part of the Central Command because then it was mostly the Arab countries and they didn't want Israel. Uh, it looks like, and and there has been a slow move over years, the last couple of years, to bring Israel into CENTCOM. Uh, and uh, General Austin did have uh, visit Israel and had some negotiations, but there isn't a, a deep history. Um, but uh, Israeli generals and others have said uh, favorable comments about his role at the time. So I think we, we I mean, it was a surprise because many people thought it was Michel Flournoy, Flournoy would get it, but this was... Um, uh, you know, this was the choice, and, and there are reasons, but internal political reasons, they believe, why uh, it was made. Um, but people who worked with him and others respect him. By the way, on the UAE, we forgot to, I forgot to mention that uh, it talked about investments and, and opportunities. Um, the royal family purchased half of Beitar Yushalayim, the, the, the team in Israel, and the, the people in Israel are not happy. That, a, a member of the royal family, right, member of the royal not family. the whole royal family, right. but the but there are people who who are unhappy. I don't think that this represents a security threat to Israel. Um, they might be able to buy some better players in the process too. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the um, but it's unbelievable. Uh, but it's a message. But yeah. this is such a strong message to the Amcha in both countries that we should see it as a positive. It's not the same thing as when you sell the port of Haifa or you, you know, bring in others. You know, there are other industries which are much more sensitive and which are more governed. I, I don't think that this represents any kind of uh, of a security threat or just a financial benefit to, right. to the sports in Israel. All right, let's spend a couple of minutes on the election, this time in Israel. All right, so Gidon Saar is now making his own party. Is that the, the bottom line? That's what it seems. He resigned from Likud, and he's working and ready. He seems to be, the whole issue seems to have fizzled a little bit from the initial excitement, and there's a lot of speculation about who will go with him. Will Yalom, Eisenkot, others, Hauser, um, members of uh, Blue and White, and others join him. Uh, some have already committed. Some have, have uh, speculated. Uh, but we know that in Israel there's a history with third parties, and they offer yeah. often are flashing the pants. Don't they win. get it? Don't they see it? Don't they understand it that they usually are not successful? Well, each but each circumstance it, it, they believe is unique, and this scene is unique that Netanyahu has been there longer than any prime minister. That there's uh, all these demonstrations. He has his legal problems. He has other things. So that they see him as vulnerable. But you know you have to beat him with somebody who can amass a larger number, and, and he has proven himself and Netanyahu to be a brilliant strategist uh, and political operative uh, and theoretician, and he has a record to stand on. 
that uh, even even they're dealing with COVID, uh, we was criticized. But the fact is that it wasn't worse than everywhere else. Nobody did a great job, uh, and they have mobilized. They they are now inoculating a lot of people, uh, even though the the numbers still are very troublesome there, and they may likely go into some sort of restrictions uh, after this week. But he, he, Netanyahu um, has uh, dissenters within the party, so you divide it up. And he also sees Bennett's number increasing. Bennett has attacked the the mention of the new cabinet. It did. It, it is likely to be fast tracked. You know, you need three hearings. So in between, it goes back to committee, then it comes out again, and you read it. They go back and forth. Um, and they want to to move it because to get an election you need thirty uh, ninety days notice three four months. So we're talking about Pesach time, which means it probably goes then into May uh, for an election. And having this period of uncertainty Another. is not great. So I think that Gantz, because he, his political career could be very diminished or even eliminated, um, has an incentive to try and reach an accord if he can, and I think Netanyahu certainly does, and that they would, given the numbers and the polling, which again shifts very quickly in Israel, uh, I think that they will still try and reach an agreement to have a budget by December 23rd. And finally, it seems that Prime Minister Netanyahu will be among the first uh, of the world leaders to have to actually get the vaccine. I mean, that could happen this week. Yes, they're, they're, they're moving fast. The plane arrived with the shipments. He went to visit it, to, to greet the plane, uh, the, the, all the vaccines who are making Aliyah were uh, <laughs> some special status. I mean, in they, three months, they, three, four months, the majority of Israel could be vaccinated if they're on track. Am I right? Or, or is that, is that you know? They have ordered and placed orders with, with a bunch of different companies uh, for different vaccines to be able to accommodate everybody as quickly as possible. It's not likely that in that short a period uh, you're going to do it. Uh, you know, even it, half the population, it, like by Pesach, you can't half, get it. half the population by Pesach could be possible because they have the army will be enlisted. They will, and that would help a lot, right? I mean, once you have half, I mean, you're you're on the road to hopefully immunizing most of the country. Right, but it, I think they it, somebody said it's only a really you'll see the results when it gets to seventy five, eighty percent, mm. and even more, and especially with young people because of their interactions. Um, right. But you can start cutting it back, and, and the severity now it seems to be much more severe again. That the the numbers in ICUs is has increased um, a great deal too. So you know, for a while it was seen as mild, and still most cases are relatively mild. mild. But the overall numbers and many places they're running out of emergency room beds. Big cities, Baltimore, others uh, have now shortages of of uh, beds to accommodate people. Yeah. And it's uh, that's, you know, pretty scary when you you realize it. And... We're hopefully close, but it's not going away yet. Uh and all the news that we've discussed, uh and most of the news we discussed in this uh, segment uh when you think about the fact that today's the first day of Hanukkah and what Hanukkah represents for the Jewish people both past, present and future, it's, the whole thing is amazing and people need to sometimes just step back. I always say, you know, tell the children and grandchildren as you emphasize as well. Uh, but the, we're living in historic times. That's the way I felt there, by the way. The, li- literally living through important historic times, and everyone has to understand just how significant this period is. 
And we see the fulfillment of Rabbin Biyad Ma'atim, Tmeim Biyad Tahorim, Rishon Biyad Sadikim, that this tiny little country today dominates the region. Unbelievable. That, that you think about it, it's the few overcoming the many, the righteous overcoming the wicked. What would our look, grandparents Look at how, what Iran and the others, how they're suffering. They're still expanding. They're building new bases all the way down the Red Sea, and, and uh, they're fighting all over. Uh, Israel faces still serious challenges, but we have to look at the brachot, the, the, all the blessings that we have, what, that Israel has had, the fact that you have all these countries coming into line, and thanks to the efforts of the administration and, and uh, led by the president and others who, who engaged in it, um, and hopefully many more will, will come on board. There are other countries, Oman, uh, um, Oman, and African countries, Muslim African countries, that we know are, are uh, anxious to, to also establish relations. But the American role there is very important in the messages that are sent. So we have to stand in support and help the Congress, help uh, the administrations, and, and work with all of them to make sure that this continues. And past administrations have, have always, at least I was always under the impression, moved forward by doing what's best for the country. I, I hope the incoming administration does not make it a point to simply prove that they, to simply try to prove that their predecessors were correct and that, in fact, they do what's best for the future of the United States and its allies and just, you know, be, be stubborn in all of this trying to prove that or trying to emphasize that what their predecessors had done was the right move. And I, I think that just so much of that now in our political scene in the United States, I hope it doesn't happen this time around. I, I, I give them more credit. I know some of these people, they, they, it's true that many of them really believe that the JCPOA is the right approach and that involving the Europeans, that even when you do sanctions, if you don't have them complete, then it doesn't really uh, work and it didn't stop Iran. Uh, Iran's activities in South America right now, you know, with the Maduro victory, which I know we don't have time to go into, but maybe next week the, the, the um, people don't pay attention to these things. But we're seeing uh, the Venezuela, Bolivia, Nicaragua, Cuba axis recreated. That Zarif went on a tour there of, of a number of these countries. They're they're renewing arms sales. They are uh, playing an increasing role, and in the the positive outcome of some of the elections are being reversed. So this is and so this is not far away from our shores. So the, so I hope that people will realize that uh, administration experts will come in and realize what the threat, real threat is, and the same about Turkey's threat, and that the only way you get something is to show consistency and strength. It doesn't mean obstinacy. It doesn't mean that there can't be new vision and new approaches and try whatever. But we have to show our allies that we're going to be with them. We have to show the, our enemies that we're going to be standing against them yeah. very strongly. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos Hanukkah. Shabbat Shalom and happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah to everyone. Look at the lights. Take inspiration from it. Good days are ahead. Amen to that. We're living through them, and it's pretty amazing. Malcolm Holine is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with a weekly update here at JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Oh, we heard from listener Sina. She says, happy birthday and mazel tov to Aryeh Leib Gifter of Staten Island, three years old today. Mazel tov to Aryeh Leib's parents, Rabbi Yaakov and Joshana Gifter, and to all the siblings. We're so sad to be missing the upshare in person, but Amir Tisham will be watching from Florida. We love you to the moon and back and hope to see you soon. And a huge birthday short, a shout-out to Tati, a.k.a. Rabbi Yaakov Gifter, celebrating birthday on Shabbos. We won't say what number. Yaakov, we wish you good health and abundant Hatzlach in all your work. And as we always say, thank you so much for all the nachas. We can never have enough. 
with much love from Bubby and Zadie, Florida. We know them as uh, Listener Cena and Mr. Listener Cena uh, down in the Sunshine State. I remind everybody, don't forget that Nefesh Benefesh has their Light Up Israel Hanukkah celebration event this coming Sunday, starring mentalist Lior Sushard, uh, the Shalva Band, Chaim Zippel, the Beit Sefer Lamusika finalist, and Lital Shemesh, uh, the media personality, is going to serve as host. Register today by going to the website nbn.org.il, nbn.org.il, that unique um, Light Up Israel Hanukkah celebration presented by Nefesh Benefesh happens this coming Sunday, nbn.org.il. Check it out. A big thank you to all of our sponsors with a reminder that our friends from Art Scroll have 3,000 titles, 3,000 titles. And right now, all of them are available at 20% off, no minimum, and free shipping. 20% off, no minimum, and free shipping when you use promo code RADIO. Anything, including the brand-new Nishmas Barave Besser, which is amazing for Shabbos, uh, available now at Art Scroll at 20% off, free shipping, and no minimum. If you use promo code RADIO, make sure to use promo code RADIO. You certainly don't want to forget that. I can tell you that much. You don't want to forget it. So check it out. Use promo code radio at um, artscroll.com. And enjoy. And a big thank you to all of our sponsors for all the commitment made to make sure we were able to get to uh, Dubai, including our friends at Cross River Bank, Jules Gade and Phil Goldfeder, uh, Simon Jacob, uh, Dr. Joe Rosazada, Ariella Steinreich and Steinreich Communications, Morty Getz, and everyone at ShopEichlers.com. Mayor Kruder, our photographer, I mentioned earlier, I did a, a pretty big segment on Mayor Kruder uh, and his expertise at being an incredible travel adventure photographer. Really amazing, and we are the beneficiaries of it, as are you, and you see the photos. Ralph Rosenbaum, Rosenbaum Financial Services, TaxCPA2.com. What a great chairman he was serving in that capacity this week for us in the UAE. Pretty amazing, and I thank him. And uh, Aaron's Casino Farms, casinofarms.com, Aaron's West Orange, aaronswestorange.com, everything for Hanukkah from baked goods to delicious and incredible groceries and specials, uh, everything you need, including uh, many decorative items to enhance your Hanukkah celebration and your Hanukkah table for your Hanukkah party. Check it out by going to Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens or casinofarms.com, Aaron's West Orange in West Orange or aaronswestorange.com. And we thank them very, very much. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Anna Freilicha, Hanukkah, everybody. Wow. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vayeshev. And it is the uh, second day of Hanukkah. So let's just begin with a very important Hanukkah halacha, and then, please God, we'll try to connect Hanukkah with Parshas Vayeshev. Okay, the most important thing we need to know today is that we cannot use this evening for the second night of Hanukkah. We cannot use the small colored candles. And the reason for that is because the candles tonight or the oil tonight has to burn for approximately one hour and 20 minutes. And allow me to explain why. We light the Hanukkah candles before we light the Shabbos candles. And we're lighting Hanukkah candles approximately 410. 
maybe just even a few moments before, so we're not rushed, but let's work with 4.10, okay? And now, what's happening? Uh, you need to know that throughout the week of Hanukkah, the ideal time to light the menorah is at the end of Shkia, or approaching the end of Shkia, which in the New York area is approximately 5 o'clock, a few moments thereafter. So, we have to go from 4.10 to 4.30, 4.28, which is what Shkia is. There's your 20 minutes. It has to go a half an hour till 5 o'clock, which is the best time to light the menorah. And then, once the menorah is lit each and every night of Hanukkah, it has to burn for minimally a half an hour. That's going to bring us to 5.30. So you need to have illumination to go from 4.10 till 5.30, which is your hour and 20 minutes. So therefore, if your Hanukkah menorah can hold Shabbos candles, the traditional Shabbos candles, they last more than an hour and 20 minutes, no problem. If you don't have a menorah that can accommodate the Shabbos candles, and you don't have an oil menorah, then the next best thing would be to use these tea lights, the small round tea lights, and you don't need a menorah. What you need is two lights, and you'll put a third one off to the side, so that will serve as your shamash, and that can fulfill your mitzvah of Ner Hanukkah. But it's important, once again, that we do not um, use the small colored candles, number one, and whatever we do, we are especially careful when we are, quote, not playing with fire, but using fire to make sure that the safety of our homes is being maintained at all times. Okay, I'd like to share with you this morning a very basic, important Hanukkah theme, which I think can be connected easily to Parshas Vayeshev. Think about it. The Greeks prided themselves that they were intelligent people. They valued wisdom, and so they prided themselves that they had such philosophers as Aristotle, Socrates, Plato. The only issue is what kind of intelligence did they recognize and value? And the answer is what we call Seichel Enushi, the intelligence of man, meaning that which man can understand, that was regarded to them as intelligence, and of that they were proud. But something which man could not understand, 
that they had no use for. And not only that, they found that type of knowledge to be a threat to them. So, that we as a people perform chesed, kindness, visit the sick, or have logical laws that say that if one person damages somebody else, they are to pay for it. They had no trouble with this. But as we find in the Al-Hanisim, that we are adding to the Shmona Esrei, and to the Birkas HaMazon, a reminder tonight that you have to wash, and we have to recite not only Ritzei in the Birkas HaMazon, but Alanisim as well. So in the Alanisim, and we describe what the threat was at that time to the Jewish community, we say that their intention was the Greeks to cause us to stray and to go away from the chukim, the statutes that God has given us. Those are the laws which to us we do not have the reasons, namely chukim, such as basar b'cholav. I have meat which is glad kosher. I have milk, which is cholov Yisrael, kosher meat, kosher milk, yet I cannot mix the two. Why not? And there's only one answer, and that's called seichel eloka. This emanates from a higher form of intelligence called God. I cannot wear wool and linen together. Why not? Again, it comes from God. And so there are numerous, very significant chukim, including the para aduma, if a person becomes tamei, and the whole idea of tumah and tara, purity and impurity, which, interestingly, is the topic of the dafyomi that we are studying these days. Amazing. If a person is Tomei and they shake your hand and you contract impurity from them, could you feel it? Of course not. Could you touch it? Of course not. And so, by us, this is very real. You have been under the same roof as a dead body. You are Tomei. To us, this is very real. To the Greeks, they could not accept this, and therefore think about it. They had the opportunity, if they wanted, to destroy the Beis Hamikdash. They chose not to. They did not. The idea of our having a temple did not bother them. But what did bother them was the belief in the concept of purity and impurity, because that made no sense to them. That is, as we know, Seichel Eloka, coming from God on high. And therefore, what did they do? As the Gemara tells us in Shabbos 21b, when it describes the miracle of Hanukkah, so we're taught that Tim'u Kol Hashmanim, they went out of their way to intentionally make the oil 
that was in our base Hamigdash in the temple, Tomei. They went out of their way as if they were ugh, showing it to us and sticking us and saying to us, here, we're going to show you what your, quote, impurity is all about and how meaningless it is, etc. So it is specifically the chukim, it is specifically the laws that do not have a rational sense to mankind that they try to get us and to rid us therefrom. And therefore, very interestingly, think about it. When we light the candles tonight, as we do every night, we say, Haneros Halolo Kodeshem, these lights that we are lighting are holy. And we don't have the right to utilize them for any other purpose. Now, what does that mean? Think about it. Why not? So your first answer is going to be, well, our lighting of the menorah in our homes is to remind us of the lighting of the menorah in the Beis Migdash, which was done every morning and every afternoon. And just as one was not permitted to get benefit from the lighting of the menorah in the Beis Migdash, if there was such a thing as a uh, cigarette which had nutritional value, wow, such a thing, you could not light up from the lights of the menorah. So we too emulate the lighting of the menorah in our own homes, which, think about, is giving our own home at the time that we light the Ner Hanukkah, a kind of designation as a mini Besam Migdash. But in keeping with the theme of Hanukkah, watch, they let they lit, excuse me, lights, candles every night. Without electricity, if you don't light candles, you're in the dark. So every single night of the year, on Shabbos before Shabbos, but every night of the year they lit candles. Having said that, Manishtana, what would be so different about the lights of Hanukkah? And the answer is, all year long, they lit candles specifically for the purpose of utilizing that light so they could see. Here, what are we doing? We are once again doing something which, to anybody else, this makes absolutely no sense. But this is our way of affirming that we are observing not only those laws of Judaism that we understand, but even those which we don't understand because we recognize that it comes from on high. And therefore, our lighting of the menorah is our way of saying, thank you, Hashem, for giving us the privilege of perpetuating not just that which we understand, but even that which we don't understand, because we recognize this is your will and this is your desire. My friends, what's happening in Vayeshev? Well, on the surface, it could be one of the most drama-filled parshios. 
We have the brothers that sell, uh, brothers are jealous of Joseph, and Yaakov sends Yosef to see the brothers, and the brothers say, oh my goodness, here he comes. And the fact that Yosef even finds them, father says to Yosef, go to Shechem, and he goes to Shechem, and they're not there. And so he's wandering, looking for them, and in theory he can go right back home. And the Torah tells us, Ooh, A man finds him. And Rashi tells us that who is this man? This is none other than the angel Gavriel that God sends. Because what's happening here, as you are so taken up by the actual story, of the brothers selling Yosef. And then you're following Yosef and his heroism in Egypt in resisting the seduction of his master's wife. You can get so caught up in the story, and where is he at the end of the parsha? He's in jail, and he is interpreting the dreams of the butler and the baker in jail. You can get so caught up in the story that you forget, as the Ramban tells us, whoa, Ramban says on that verse, ish, that a man found him, and we know, as we mentioned, who is this man, says the Ramban, that the Torah is teaching us, Ki emes the Torah is telling us that that which God said to Avram at the Brisbane Absorim, Back in chapter 15 in Bereshis, verse 13, Yodoa Teda, you shall surely know that your children, your descendants, are going to be uh, uh, Geir, Eved, Inui. They're going to be strangers, they're going to be enslaved, they're going to be persecuted for 400 years, etc. This has to happen. The Torah is teaching us, the Torah is reminding us that behind this story, there's somebody who is completely and totally calling the shots, directing the story. This is the very first of our 13 basic principles of faith. Says the Rambam, I believe, not probably, most probably, but I believe with complete and total faith, Shabori is Borach Shemo, that the Creator, blessed be His name, who Borei, He is number one, the one who creates, Umanig Lechol Habruim, and He guides, He directs, He is in control over all the creatures. And therefore, just as we look back, and we watch the story of Yosef and his brothers unfold each year. Remember, there's no such thing as a Bible story. There are only Bible lessons. And the answer is that he is the one who's in control. He is directing history. He is moving history along to its ultimate destiny. Then we should understand that just as Joseph and his brothers were on the stage, put in your name and put in not your siblings necessarily, but all those around you. We too are on the stage of history. And we too are being directed by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And in what direction are we being directed? Go to the second chapter of the prophet Haggai. There are only two chapters, but the Navi Haggai tells us very clearly in his prophecy to Pasuk 
9. At the very beginning, when they built the second base on Migdash, which required the Navi, and we had Chagai, Zechariah, Malachai, the Navi says, Great will be the honor and glory of Habayas Hazel Achron, the last one, Minorishon. And the rabbis tell us that we're talking about not the second base on Migdosh, which paled compared to the first one, but rather, please God, the forthcoming third base on Migdosh. Read carefully and follow tomorrow. If you can go to shul, fine. And if not at home, read slowly the Avtorah from Chagai's contemporary Zachariah. And he speaks of that vision of the golden menorah that has become the symbol of the, quote, state of Israel. And look what you find to the right and the left of this golden menorah. You have the... um, two olive golden trees, uh, correct, and you have the oil miraculously coming in. And what is it? Basically, the rabbis tell us it refers to the Kohen Gadol and the king who are anointed with the oil. And we're talking about an age of prosperity. None of this existed during the time of the second Beisam Migdosh. But guess, yeah, guess what? It's on its way. It's coming. And this is what we are affirming when we light that little candle tonight. Two candles tonight and a shamash. Proclaim to us how proud and honored we are to maintain this halacha which our people have been doing for over 2,000 years. Ask yourself, how many people perpetuate with such exactitude and precision as Mika Amcho Yisrael, our Jewish people, our very observance of Hanukkah is another divine wink to all of us that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us and thank God we are with Him and it's to our glorious destiny of the third Beis Hamikdash that we are lighting and affirming each and every night of Hanukkah. I take this opportunity of wishing Nachum and his family and our entire family of listeners to the Nachum Siegel app to realize Ashrenu Matov Chalkeinu, how privileged we are to, with all the challenges of the pandemic about us to pause for a moment and realize how privileged we are to be on this stage of world history bringing each day the world closer to that third and glorious Beis HaMikdash. Shabbat Shalom and a Freilich Hanukkah to all. J.M. and the M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Hanukkah. And yes, back from Dubai, first day in the studio after the amazing journey to the UAE. And that is how we feel that we are... Um, that we are just part of uh, a historic, an absolutely historic time. Um, that's the way it felt while we were there. And now we get to see uh, history continue with uh, the news about Morocco and so much more. Just an unbelievable era, a miraculous era. Let us recognize it as we stand here on the first day of Hanukkah 5781. Candle lighting 408. Remember to light Hanukkah candles before that. 
uh, 408 in the New York, New Jersey area for an Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. Uh, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Teves is on Wednesday. Rosh Chodesh Teves is on Wednesday. Rabbi David Pardo is Director of Torah Initiatives at the OU, and the OU has designated an entire uh, site, ou.org slash Hanukkah, to Hanukkah 5781. Rabbi David Pardo, happy Hanukkah to you, and welcome back to JM in the AM. I'm not sure what's a tougher act to follow. It's not easy to follow Rabbi Yudin. It's really not easy to follow Dubai. <laughs> well, I, I sympathize with you on both counts. I think you're right. <laughs> but, but nonetheless, you've done very well in your prior appearances, so I have tremendous faith in you, to say the least. Uh, the, I'm working on my radio voice. It's, uh, it's a journey. Well, so it's, uh, it's great to be back. I appreciate that. So far, so good, let me tell you. Uh, Hanukkah at the OU, it's eight days of inspiration. Tell me what the uh, story is behind this new landing page that we call OU.org slash Hanukkah? Eight days, eight nights, eight lights. We, you know, Malcolm, because you've talked to really all of us, that the OU has, uh, is, 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 is kosher, is NCS wife, but is, is also synagogues, is women's initiative, is Torah. Yep. We have a lot of um, things going on. Uh, people don't always know, and we sat there at uh, Virtual 11 Broadway and said, you know, what is it that people need? What is it that people want? This Hanukkah, what can we package? Whether it's the family lighting Hanukkah candles together, what are they going to listen to or watch while the candles are burning? If it's someone who wants to learn a little bit more to push their learning um, a little bit farther or even very serious to get into some, you know, deep sugyas, whether it's someone who has a question, needs an answer, um, or someone looking for a recipe. And we brought all of it, corralled it all, and put it here into a one-stop shop for Hanukkah. Yeah, you know, it's unbelievable. I'm, just, I'm looking at it now, and, and, you know, I now I see what's going on here on this site because not only do you include a whole bunch of Hanukkah shiurim, uh, that OU Torah features, and there are a, a variety of amazing topics. People should try to check them out before Shabbos. A lot of great topics, some of which you're going to want to discuss with your family over Shabbos Hanukkah. But I see that for each day of Hanukkah, you actually have separate videos, different things that people can uh, explore uh, in order to um, you know follow along throughout the entire holiday, to get the history of Hanukkah, to get the great Divrei Torah, uh, see some animation, etc. I mean, you're you're trying you're trying to bring uh, through as many media as possible. Uh, the experience of Hanukkah Torah, it seems. And yes, I know what you said. Recipes, etc., they're included. I get that. <laughs> but but not often do we have a, a place where we could find all these Hanukkah resources. So as usual, good job by you and the OU. This will be very helpful to a lot of people. Uh, very excited. Listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of really great things. You notice the animation that's from that's from Israel, that's from the Goldschneider family. Right. A uh, they're they're not all up yet. Uh, one candle at a time, but eight videos to look at with your family. Um, I, I I sat and did it with my family last night, and uh, asks uh, you know has a little moral question. Had a great conversation with my little kids. I think they really got it. Um, there's stuff. There's uh, all kinds of tour. There's we have uh, an eight-part history series from Dr. Henry Abramson. Right. We have uh, eight under eight is again eight eight-part series, eight different speakers all around the eight-minute mark. Um, <laughs> Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson, Chief Rabbi Mervis, <laughs> Rabbi Rosner, uh, Charlie Arari, Michal Horowitz, Shani Kerrigan. So really just amazing stuff if you want that uh, extra pick-me-up. 
the excitement and inspiration for Hanukkah. Um, and like you said, we really, you know, if you have it all, you go all the way down, you'll see the Sussum uh, Kosher, Dafa Kashras is out. This, this, uh, editions of da- this edition of Dafa Kashras is all about chocolate. You're oh, about that chocolate? funny. That's great. We were oh, yeah. we, we were enjoying some delicious Hanukkah chocolates last night. How do you like that? We were Yotze Lechola Deus, Rabbi Pardo. How do you like that? <laughs> I like it a lot. You want to know how Sufkani Oder made? Because we got videos of it also. Oh, pretty amazing. I like how they, they're eaten. I really didn't pay much attention to how they're made, frankly. Um, so it's all there, folks. OU.org slash Hanukkah. OU.org slash Hanukkah. All the halacha questions answered. All the timing questions answered in terms of lighting, especially the questions that are uh, that have to do with uh, Erev Shabbos Hanukkah. And uh, a whole bunch of beautiful videos and shiurim that you'll find there um, on, on a variety of topics. I mean, you, I, I'm not going to go through all the topics. All I'll tell you is when you see the list, you'll see there's topics there you never even thought of uh, that, that, and you never thought there'd be shiurim about, frankly, uh, that are up there on the site. I was wondering, right, Pardo, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I was just pondering this. Like, I'm wondering, is, is this a... A COVID reaction? Because I think we'd have OU.org slash Hanukkah even without the current situation we're in, right? You know, I, it's great that you asked that because I, I, I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, I was thinking to myself, there's so many horrible things going on, but there's there are bright lights, there are silver linings, and one of them was the explosion of content creation online and how we finally brought all these things that were you know, relegated to, if you live here, you can go to this. Right. But what if I don't live here? And what if I'm not close to right. this person? And now, you know, I I, I hope that um, this kind of connectedness is going to outlast the pandemic. I think we've learned a lot of things. So, yeah, yeah. it's um, is the inspiration from, from COVID? Absolutely. Um, is this not going to happen next year? I doubt it. I think next year it's going to be bigger and better. Yeah, it's funny because... Um... For those of us lucky enough to see family and friends over the next few days during Hanukkah, obviously in a safe manner, then what you said is, uh, you know, we're coming out of this situation of, of complete isolation, thank God. But there are people out there, people listening right now, who really have no way to have real Hanukkah connectivity with family and friends. And obviously this uh, uh, this service is going to help people um, uh, feel together with the rest of the community. Sort of what we're doing every single day, and the OU is doing brilliantly in many different forms. And including this one. Everybody out there, we're going to continue to recommend over the next eight days that you go to OU.org slash Hanukkah. OU.org slash Hanukkah. They call it Eight Days of Inspiration. It is an informative, it is a um, educational, and it's a fun uh, landing page that brings you a whole a variety of things having to do with Hanukkah, especially uh, the shiurim and videos and the halachic uh, uh, questions that are answered. And obviously you have uh, the recipes and other features there as well. But you should check it out. It will enhance your Hanukkah celebration, ou.org slash Hanukkah. Rabbi David Pardo is director of Torah Initiatives. And again, not to not to make this conversation COVID-19 heavy, but I'd have to assume that we'd be doing some different things. Forget Hanukkah for a moment. Some different things in the middle of 5781 when it comes to Torah Initiatives than we're actually doing now, right? I, I assume you've had to adjust the way you thought, you know, typically uh, a, a year, a Jewish year would go in the arena of Torah initiatives? Uh, certainly, certainly. Uh, we, I, I wasn't on the program to talk about it, but uh, before Shavuot, this was the big conversation. Shavuot is so reliant on showing up to shul right. and hearing 
shiurim and, and big gatherings, and that, that's the excitement, that's the energy, that's a, the best Shavuot you remember. So we we had that struggle. What what can we do to help Klal Yisrael? That's we came out with a uh, a page called Chag at Home, ov.org slash Chag, um, created something between a Makor sheet and an article from the people that you want to hear their um, their their presentations. You know the yeah. uh, the big names, the stars. Um, so they created these these learning sheets, and people just scooped it up. They loved it. It was a, the experience of learning from the safety of your home. And again, like you said, I think that uh, do, are we looking for something that's a little bit more serious than an article, but it's not just a, a straight McCorshy, something that has questions and guiding, you know, are, is our demographic ready for something, nothing to do with COVID? Yeah, I think that uh, we've shifted and a lot of the shifts are going to stick. Or I'll, I'll give you another example to showcase the uh, women's initiative also on OU.org slash Hanukkah. They're doing, you can, there's a little button you can jump and sign up for a five-part series with um, some tours of Eretz Yisrael. Um, five different five different presenters on five different topics. But can you imagine in the before world that this was just uh, you know you would watch a live tour, you'd be walking around <laughs> so the cool. streets of Yerushalayim or or hanging out in Modi'in and that taking this for granted. So. You know, we've we've uh, we've lost a lot certainly as a people, but I think we've gained uh, some really interesting, um, some really interesting tools, and the new normal, God willing, will be a lot better. Rabbi David Pardo is director of Torah Initiatives. Check out the website ou.org/chanukah. Rabbi Pardo, I wish you a happy Hanukkah and a wonderful Shabbos. To you and yours as well, Nachum. Thank you so much. More come? Well, actually, not more coming up. We're ready to wrap things up. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos Chanukah. Imagine that. Well, Ben Shoshchodesh tomorrow, Shoshchodesh Teves is on Wednesday, and it is time to say good Shabbos. And a Freilchen Chanukah, and a Chag Urim Sameach from JM in the AM. Because all your work is done. Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One. Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine. It's a very special sign Your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSigul.com and the NachumSigul Network, and of course, the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JMNAM and the NachumSigul Network. Thanks to all of you for tuning in and all the great reaction we've gotten has been uh, really heartwarming and beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Back from Dubai in our New York City studios and getting set for a wonderful Shabbos Hanukkah. Don't forget, we'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh will be on Wednesday. Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos show is coming up at 10 a.m. And don't forget that the final hour is now already prepared and archived, which means whenever you start Shabbos, you can install and download the final hour presented by the wonderful people at Kedem, and you can play it whenever you want to get ready for Shabbos. Uh, for us, it'll start about 3 p.m. today on the Nachum Siegel Network, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's big, big news. Saturday Night Siegel with Avrami tomorrow night. Matis Sunday morning with JM Sunday starts at 7 a.m. Monday morning, I'm back with you. Happy Hanukkah, Chagurim Sameach, Afrelch and Hanukkah, everybody, and Shabbat Shalom, of course. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.